please take your seats, church. This is my first time trying to sit and preach. Um, Pedro tells me I walk a lot during preaching. So I want to follow the same trend as the worship team and see if this is working. Um, good evening. Uh, I always say good morning. So good evening. My name is Dina. I'm one of the pastors at Riverside Lisbon. And I see a lot of um, new faces. I know Pedro already asked who's new. Can we see one more time how many new people here? We got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, if you're staying in Lisbon for a long time and if you want to part of, be a part of the church, if you want to know more information, uh, right at the entrance, Laura and her team, they will give you more information about how to connect how to join different activities, different WhatsApp groups. Um, but if you're passing by, we are very happy that you could join us today to worship uh, the one God we all serve, coming from different parts of the world. Uh, it's beautiful to serve with you, to worship God with you. So you're very welcome today. Uh, we are in the middle of a sermon series called From Here to There. Um, so Ruben came up, Ruben, our lead pastor, he, he, he designs the sermons. And he uh, came up with this sermon of talking about the journey in the book of Exodus. The journey of the Israelites when they were slaves in Egypt, how they were going to the promised land. And this journey, um, it's very relatable to us. Even though the journey was done like 3,000, 4,000 years ago, uh, we, we all have our individual journey. And if you look around, our church is a group of Completely different people from different parts of the world, different color, different race, different genders, different um, continents. And we, we hear so many of these stories, how they came here, how they went to another country, how they came here, how they didn't expect. They planned to stay in Lisbon for two months, but now they are here for two years. So we, are, we hear all kinds of stories about journeys. And from the story of Exodus, we are studying this journey and we are studying a particular theme each week, what we can learn from this journey and how we can apply to our personal life and to our spiritual life. So I'm living in Lisbon for almost five years now uh, and I love their, the, the bus or metro pass system. Do you know that? Like 30 euro, 40 euro? How many of them love them? See, the hands go up really fast. It's hard to find that in other European countries, apparently. You just buy 30 euro pass, you can go anywhere in Lisbon, and if you get a 40 euro pass, just 10 bucks more, you can go all the way to Kashkaish, to Mafra in the north, you can go to even Sisimbra on the south, which is a big area that you can cover. The problem for me for every summer is, should I get a 30 or a 40? If I get a 40, that month I don't do anything. I just stay at home, come to church, go back home. I feel like, ah, I just wasted 10 euros. The next month, I get a 30-euro pass. Guess what? My church is like, let's go to Kashkaj. Let's go to here. And they plan so many different events outside. And now we are like, oh, I'm spending three, four euros for each trip. And so I asked my friend, we were talking a couple years ago, I asked, what do you do? And he said, no, I always get 40-euro pass. Oh, okay, that's smart. What do you do when you don't use it? And he said, oh, I just take a train ride all the way south or all the way north. And then I ask, what do you do there? No, I just come back later. I said, why do you take the trip? Why do you take the journey? He goes, so I want to make use of that 40 euro pass. I, that doesn't sound 
it doesn't work. I don't know how it works. At least he enjoys the ride. But, but God never takes us on a journey just for the sake of it. Just like, ah, oh, let's just take you around to show you because, you know, you have 50 years to live in this world, so might as well go through some journeys and difficulties. See, uh, we were studying for the last four weeks or three weeks. God is taking on a journey. It always has a purpose and it always has a destination. Yeah? So purpose means why God is taking us through this way, why not in the other way? Right? He has a purpose for that. And always there's a destination. Where are you going? It's not like we'll find out eventually. No, there is a good destination. God says everything will work together for good for people who are in Christ, who love him. Right? So we have a good destination and we have a purpose why we are going through this way. And, and we see that in the story of Exodus, in Exodus 13, it says, the scripture says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God had said, if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. So God led the people around the desert toward the Red Sea. So we were studying the story of Exodus in our life group uh, Bible study on Wednesdays. And we are going into details of, if you look at the map, the, where God is taking them, which is the, the promised land of Canaan, it's right on the north side of where, where they were, right? But God is literally taking them south toward the Red Sea. So if I'm the people in that group, oh, God, do you need like a GPS or something? It's completely the opposite direction. It's, it's over there. Why are you taking us down? But God knows these group of people, they are just slaves for 400 years, right? They don't have a military strategy. They don't have a weapons. Probably they don't have uh, military trained people. And this group of people are moving out of Egypt and they are going and God is saying, you are not ready to face war yet. Okay, I, I know you are, that's the best way to go, but I'm going to take you through this way with a purpose. I have a purpose for your life. I have a purpose for this group of people. Although you may think that is literally a dead end, Red Sea is a dead end. You can't go through Red Sea, but I'm going to show you how we are going through the Red Sea because you don't have that option. And this is, I still remember when I, were, when I was in a different country and I was planning to, uh, to stay there a little bit longer and how, what are my options. And Portugal was not in my option. I explored all the different options, and Portugal was not there because it was not even existent. But God created something that was not even there in the first place, right? And, and, and I, I, Pedro was singing the first song, You Are Good, You Are Good. I heard that six years ago uh, back in a church. I was like bawling, and it was one of my difficult times in life, and I always wonder why I have to go through that journey to come here but I know God so much more deeply in that journey. Without the journey, I wouldn't be here speaking at all. And, and we see that God's purpose, we see God's destination where he's taking the people of God here in the story. And one other thing I want to mention that in the story, God does not leave the people alone to go wherever they want to go. He's not telling, okay, the way is that way, just go. He's not doing that. And we see that in the, in the story, 
the, the scripture says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day and by, or by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Whatever journey you are in, in your personal life, in your spiritual life, if you are in Christ, remember, you are not alone. And however difficult the journey looks like, however south it looks like instead of a north that you are planning to go, but you are not alone in this journey. And God is taking them through this wilderness. Um, I was t speaking with a brother right before the service, just before the service, and he was saying uh, he's trying to bring his family to Portugal. Um, he submitted some documents to the embassy a year ago. And they said, something's missing, so we're going to put your documents on pause. So after one year, they were just waiting to hear from them, waiting to hear from them. So they restarted the process, exact same documents, and they said, everything is okay. We are going to keep moving. And he was wondering, one year is wasted. One year, I could have been with my family. I could have started the process. And we wonder, what is happening? Why is this journey and this wilderness indicates a tangible place in your journey where you experience God, where you see God's purpose in your life, where you see... But this wilderness is never a place you feel stagnant, right? It's always have a momentum towards you are going to a destination. God is walking with you on this journey. You are not walking alone. And, and last week, Pedro highlighted that in this journey of a momentum towards something, you're always walking together with someone else. You are never alone with God, also with the community. There is a sense of togetherness, however different our individual journey looks like. In this wilderness journey, we need each other as we head towards our common internal destination. And Pedro showed us from the story of Exodus, the key scenarios where the people of God work together and how this same pattern of togetherness is reflected in the New Testament, and it's reflected today in our church. You with me so far? Yeah? Okay. We're just going to start, so just want to make sure you're with me. So today I want to show you another theme from this story of journeys. The story of Exodus is that wilderness, the journey, is a place of teaching. We, we spoke last week that God calls us a holy nation, his royal priesthood, his, his own possession, who are called out of darkness. But now, we want to see how God is teaching the people what it looks like to be a holy nation. It's, it's one thing to give title, right? Like, I can give you a title, you are, you are a holy nation, you are my possession. But how does it look like? How does it look like for you to live as a holy nation? How does it look like for you to live as a royal priesthood that God calls you to be? And that's what we are seeing that God is going to teach this group of people in the wilderness how to be this precious people of God, how to be the representation, representative people of God who represents him to the whole world. And this is a, a, a difficult sermon to write uh, in a sense of being teachable uh, is foundational to our spiritual growth, right? If it's 
you're sitting on that side, if I'm sitting on this side, doesn't matter. We all have to be have a spirit of teachability for her spiritual growth and also for her character development in general. And I have met old, mature Christians who are still looking for advice, who are still talking like, hey, give me, what do you think about this? And I have met young Christians who are just starting their journeys. They are not very willing to receive feedback. They are not willing to be teachable in their heart. And in this story, we, this group of people is having this roller coaster of emotions, right? This journey is not an easy one for them. They just came out of slavery. Now they are going to another country, and they are going to take this path. And um, if you remember the story, they come out, God splits the Red Sea for them. And they come out three days later, they don't have water, now they complain, right? And then God gives water. A few days later, they complain about food. So this, this roller coaster of people and God is telling them, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to teach you guys something. I'm going to teach you dependability. I'm going to teach you to trust me. And, and, and it's hard for those people. And, and we can see in the story, they, they, Scripture often calls them as stiff-necked, stubborn people where they, they, they don't bend. You know, stiff-necked is, is, is a term to like you, don't, you are not humble. You are like, your neck is stiff. You don't bend down to be teachable for God. And, and in this story, we come to chapter 19, and that's a critical juncture of the story, right? So we, we see all this pattern of roller coaster of emotions, and God says, wait, let me, let's take a pause. I'm going to teach you who I am. I'm going to teach you something about me. And in the third month after they left Egypt, they come to Mount Sinai. So Mount Sinai, what happens in Mount Sinai? Anyone? Ten Commandments, right? Everyone knows that. So Ten Commandments. Um, but I, I want to I wanna, like, redefine that, right? In, in Hebrew, it's not Ten Commandments. It's ten words. It, it's not a set of rule book that God is giving. Uh, how to be a good Christian. Here's a rule book. That's not what's happening in that, in that story. Here is where God is revealing his heart to his people. He's telling, this is what my characters look like, and this is what I want you guys to live, to be a part of a children of possession of me. You, your, your nation will look like this because this was who I am. And there's a good book uh, by Jen Wilkin. I think it's called 10 Words to Live By. Uh, if you want, you can check it out. You can write it down, 10 Words to Live By, by Jen Welkin. It's a really beautiful book. Uh, I love this author. Uh, and, and she goes through commandment by commandment in 10 chapters and explains how it reveals the character of God and how it applies to us. So the first step of being a teachable Christian or a teachable people of God in this journey of wilderness is that we need to learn what's in God's heart. We need to learn the character of God. We need to learn God's heart. And let's see how it happened in the, in the story of Exodus. In Exodus 17, verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek from under heaven. And if you're here last week, uh, Pedro was explaining the story of the war between Israel and Amalekites. 
and how Mo whenever Moses' hands was rising, is Israel was winning. Whenever his hands was down, they were losing. So eventually they won the war. But God is telling them to write down what happened. And read if, if people have to hear it, someone is reading it. Make sure Joshua hears it. Right? And, and the same kind of pattern happens in the Mount Sinai story is that in chapter 31 it says, When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. So we see in these two instances, God speaks and it was written or either it was read out loud for people to hear the word of God and what he had done. And that's the first step to learn about God. You, you have to hear God. You have to listen to the word of God. You have to, you have to uh, someone read it out to you and you can hear the word of God. And today we have this whole book here. We don't, we don't have inscriptions written on tablets. We have the opportunity to read the whole book here, the scriptures, right? So this is a primary mode of being teachable. This, this is what's going to teach you. It's, if I, this, this is something we stand by at Riverside. If I say something that's not matching with this, always go with this. This has the primary authority in this church, primary authority in our life, right? So this is the first teaching mode. So whatever walk you are in, life, however old you are, and however mature you are in your Christian life, you have something to learn every day from the scriptures. You will never exhaust the character of God. You will never exhaust learning about God. You never will say, oh yeah, yeah, I know God is love, I know God is kind. What, what else? Send me something new. You, if you really understand about God, the more you study the scriptures, it's a living word of God that teaches you every day. And Paul writes this to his young prodigy, who is a pastor also, to his pastor, he's saying, uh, to Timothy, he's saying, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In this scripture, when Paul says, all these scripture, at that time there was no New Testament. So he's specifically saying Old Testament is, because right now we, we have whole movement, they don't want to read about Old Testament. We just look at New Testament and all the things about Jesus. It's very important, but the story starts there. Story starts in Genesis. So the whole scripture, new and old, it's all God breath and it's useful for teaching. And in this journey of life, we, we talked about it in a different sermon. You will be shaped by where you spend your most time in. If you spend your most time studying, reading, or listening to American politics, like I do sometimes, you will know the heart of the politics there. You will know everything about it. Like You will know the heart of the matter. right? And if you spend more time watching Netflix, movies, if you, maybe you like a, a, a particular genre of movies, well, you're going to shaped by the content that you are watching. And if you spend more time studying, reading, and listening, and understanding the scripture, guess what? You will be shaped by the truth of the word. You will be shaped, you will know the heart of the matter, 
you will know the heart of god and this inevitable this is this is how and we can always say like well i'm not being shaped by anything well you are shaped by something all the time because you're not the same person 6 months ago right you're always changing we are always even though if we don't want to learn something you're always learning something without you knowing about it and that's what the world does it's just bombards you and that's why advertisement is a, such a big industry the more you look at it the more you get information inside the more you are shaped to make a decision that they want you to make right so the more time you spend on the scriptures the more time you receive god's word the more time you listen to know the character of god more even though it's not obvious you are being shaped eventually and this is again this is very psychological and also scriptural and we see that in the life of Joshua in the wilderness so in wilderness we see a lot of bad examples of people how they are not trusting god but there are also some good examples of how people trust god and Joshua is one of the example and in exodus 33 it says so the lord spoke to moses face to face right not to joshua moses so he's the boss as a man speaks to his friend and he would return to the camp but his servant joshua the son of nun a young man did not depart from the tabernacle i always think about the 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 development of joshua right we we see joshua 1 uh, or Deuter- end of deuteronomy we see okay moses dying joshua is taking over but for him to get there it's not just he just not selected randomly and he, all this story he's not being highlighted even even when when um, in last week's sermon we saw when moses ha- hand was risen or risen my english um the israelites were winning right you know who was actually fighting the battle on the field when moses was raising his hand it was joshua but he wasn't highlighted in the story was he no just a character just fighting he's listening to the authority of moses and he's just doing what moses says but his heart was not looking for just be the head of the people or being recognized even when people left even the moses left the tabernacle after speaking with god the scripture says joshua did not depart from the tabernacle he just waits there to know more about god not only he was obedient and submissive to the authority of moses throughout the journey he was seeking god's presence he would just wait at the tabernacle as long as he could the more joshua seeks god the more god reveals himself to joshua and the more he reveals himself the more he seeks more because it's like more like tasting you, you taste a good food you want more food to eat right and 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 we see end of the deuteronomy that god just blesses joshua with wisdom he gives him the spirit of wisdom to lead after moses is gone because of his heart because of his he was seeking wisdom and god gives him wisdom our hearts church we should be inclined to teaching we should be inclined to the scripture is words but let me give you one caution here and because i've been there in that in that place be careful with saying it's me and my bible no one could say tell me anything 
No one could teach me anything. I don't need anything else. It's just me and my Bible. Um, I don't want anyone else to explain it to me, the truths or anything. It's just because I was in a place where I, I used to work on the road. Uh, so we have construction projects six months at a place. And the next six months in Kansas or in, 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 in Oklahoma. So it's like different states. So when we move, I'm like, I don't want to find a church for six months. I have online things. I have my Bible. I have good, really good scholars that I can look up and I can read their sermon. I don't need a local church. But if you're honest with yourself, you do struggle with that. You, you can't be consistent with that. You, you are struggling with the scripture, either the meaning of it, either the context of it, either the application of it. And this is where the local community comes in. And, and, and we heard that last week, the local church gathering where you have small groups or one-on-ones or the gathering like a Sunday gathering, God has placed in your life shepherds, pastors, leaders, mentors, friends to help you understand the scriptures better, to illuminate the scriptures, right? Holy Spirit illuminates the scriptures through others to apply it in your life, to navigate it. So I want to encourage you this morning, this evening, proactively seek out for advice, proactively seek out for wisdom, proactively seek out for feedback in your spiritual walk. I thought I have control over all my weaknesses, all my desires, all my struggles. I will fix it eventually. And, and that was a lie that the enemy places in your heart that you can figure out your life by yourself. Oh, I know all the basics about the gospel. I know everything about the Bible. I don't need anyone to tell me anything. But you can go so far for sure, but you can't go further. You can only go so far. If you're honest with yourself and if you're obedient to the scriptures that you're actually reading, the scriptures actually tell you to be a part of a church, tell you to be part of a community, and that's how the church grows together. So even people who say it's just me and my Bible, no one else, if you, if you know the Bible really well, you need people. You will understand you need to be part of this community. And like I was saying in the beginning, it's, it's not limited to the people on that side. It's limited to the, it's also for the people on this side. Any leaders or anyone, a godly leader whose life, if he wants to affect people, is a man who listens at least twice than he speaks. I can speak here for one hour, which means I have to listen more later in the week to understand more, to learn more about, the God, about God. And in my experiences, uh, especially in this church, I have seen women, it's a feedback for you guys, are more open to that, are more open to being teachable, are more open to be proactively seeking out. Even I have people coming, women talking to me like, can I speak with someone in church? Um, about what? No, about my life, about, about my walk with God. Absolutely. And we connect with them all over the time. But it's just unfortunate I don't get that as much from men. And I'm trying to figure out why. I don't know why. I, and, and, I, and, I, and I feel sometimes we, we try to um, create opportunities for, for men to uh, be proactively meeting others. But, and, and it's the same case I heard from other churches as well. It's that 
So I was thinking, what would be the reason for, uh, for, for us to just go out and ask for help, or for, for us to go out and be, teach me, help me. Let, let's walk together. I, I, I want to be disciples. I want to be mentored. I want to walk with you on this journey. Why we can't do that? And the more I think, I think the one of the biggest roadblocks of being a teachable man or a woman of God is pride. Is pride. I struggle with it sometimes. It recently it hit me that I'm discipling a lot of people, but I am not getting discipled by anyone. So I quickly called up my old friend and I said, can we meet once in two weeks? I want to talk about my life. I want to talk about my walk with God. And some people are visibly prideful. Then you can say like, ah, look at his posture. But most people are not visibly prideful, but they are pride inside. They look very humble outside, but inside they struggle with pride. And we have the whole book of Proverbs talks so much about pride. And one of my favorite verses here, it says, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Yeah, me. There's more hope for a fool than for him. Pride puts a person beyond the perceived need for instruction. The proud man says to himself, I don't need the wisdom of God's word. I've already got it. I already know the Bible. I don't need the instruction and encouragement from others. I'm beyond that sort of thing. I don't need to be held accountable. Who they are to tell me what to do. I mean, you have other problems in your life. See, the proud heart is resistant to rebuke. They are insensitive to conviction. And that's why Proverbs says, there's more hope for a fool. You can be a fool because I can teach you about knowledge. But if you're prideful, you will put a block. I don't want to learn anything because I know everything. And, and especially in, in today's world, it, it's just unfortunate, right? We have the most information in our hands than ever in the history of the world. We learn so much. We get so much data to learn. And it's quick for us to think that, you know what? I don't want to talk with Gabby regarding this one thing. I can just Google it. I can read a blog about it, how to fight sin. What are the five steps to beat pornography? What are the five steps to control my anger? Right? You can see all, there's so many blogs. You can just read it. Why do I need a partner? Why do I need to walk with someone? And, and, and that's the danger of it. Information is not enough. In the story of Exodus, Israel is often depicted, we talked about it, that they are stubborn-hearted. They are stiff-necked people. While in Exodus 19, God was giving the Ten Commandments, right? We talked about it. He was giving, he was revealing his heart. Right when was God was doing that, at the bottom of the mountain, they were creating a golden calf. They are creating another God to worship. They, they, they don't want to wait, even wait for God to reveal his heart. Because they just want to keep going. I, I want something to worship. And unfortunately, because of that, and, and because of several other things, the whole generation of that people, they never reached the promised land. They are God's people. They are chosen people of God, but they never reached the rest that God has promised because of their pride, because of their stubbornness for being teachable. 
So this is, I want us to be, take it seriously for us. We, in this journey, while we are walking, while it's hard, we talked about the difficulty of it and all that. But we want to ask God, what are you teaching me on this? Why are you taking me on this journey? Ask your friends, ask your pastors, ask your whatever. I know there's a lot of traveling people. In your, back in your local church, be plugged in your church. Just don't attend on Sundays. Be plugged in the life of your community. And the second step of being a teachable Christian, first, you, you, we talked about learning God's heart through the scriptures and through the help of other godly people that God has placed in your life. The second step is putting into practice. Again, this is the most difficult step for me. Uh, I can guarantee you that. I always think the more you gain, the more your habits change automatically. Uh, it's true. God will shape you by the, t- by the more you, more you uh, listen to God's word. But you also have to take step. You have to put into practice of what you are learning. Knowledge doesn't automatically change your heart. You, we talked about acquiring wisdom from scriptures, from, from people. Imagine I'm, I'm meeting with Lucas, and, and then we, we talk about it, and he was sharing his heart, his struggles. And we talk about it, we open the scriptures, we study together, we, we try to understand how, how to handle this thing. We, we encourage each other. We, he gets a lot of wisdom from the scriptures and, and from our meeting. And what do you do with that? What if he goes home and just lives a life exactly the same way like this meeting never happened? What is the point of this knowledge? It's nothing. If you don't put into practice, it's nothing. And it's easy to hear a good sermon or uh, like today it's a great sermon. Uh, and you be convicted and say, yes, I, 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 we will do it. We are going to do it. You know who else said that? We will do it all the time. It's the Israelites. On the screen here, Masood. I put like three verses. There's Actually, you can get more. It's almost everything is after God tells them, this is what you need to do. Then all the people answered together and said, we will do all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. Tell us that the Lord our God says to you, we will hear and do it. And we know from the story, their commitment was never true. They're quick to say yes. They're like, yes, we'll do it. But you didn't follow through the commitment, right? And I'm sure there's a lot of married couples here. You can make all kinds of vows on your wedding day, but if you don't follow through it in your life, that means nothing. It's a special day. It's, it's cute and everything. One poetic. I, I, I have to write one. I don't know how I'm going to do that. And the commitment shows how serious are you in your vows, right? Your, your lifestyle shows how much you actually meant when you said what you said. And Reuben was preaching this morning about the fruit of the Spirit. So the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence you show in your life, that shows your internal change in your heart. And 
I, I want to look at one story here. Ooh, I'm going so way out of time. Or I, I want to show you one story before before we close soon. Um, so God is bringing these people, right? They are they are bringing the people towards the from the wilderness uh, journey. They are going through Red Sea. God is opening the Red Sea. He's showing miracles. He's showing wonders. He's showing water from a rock, food from the heaven, defeating the enemies and sees God's presence throughout the journey. And they are seeing God's character. He is learning about who this God is, how powerful he is, what is his statutes are, what his laws, what his requirements, and what it takes to be a holy nation. He knows, he, they, these people know everything about it. They have all the knowledge here. With all this knowledge, Moses, Moses is sending 12 people into the land of Canaan. He said, okay, 12 people, just go and tell, give me a report of how this new land is. So they're in the, in the edge of the promised land, right? Like they're, their journey is almost done. So they're in the edge of the land, and 12 people go out and check. Ten of them out of the 12 came back and said, there's no way we can go inside. These people are large. These people are like giants, and we look like grasshoppers. We will never win them. In spite of seeing everything God has done in the past, in spite of learning everything about God, in spite of gathering all the knowledge they could about God, when it's time for that, they said, no, there's no way we can do that. And they refused to enter the promised land. God said, go enter. They said, no, we're not going to enter anymore. But again, like I said, in, in a lot of bad examples, there's always some good examples. In this midst of the story, we see Joshua and Caleb. We see two people in that mix of 12 people and this is what they said. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jepune, who were among those who spied the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to the congregation and said, the land we passed through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. And all the congregations said to stone them with stones. Now the glory of God appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before the children of Israel. They not only said, we are not going to go inside. They decided to kill the people who said, it's actually, we can do what God asks us to do. We can trust God. You, you see their stiff neck. You see their pride. You, even though you learn so much, when it's time to put into practice, you have no trust in God. You, you never take your step to... It's a risky thing to, to do that, but still, if you actually know God, what he did in the past, it's easy. But these two men were boldly standing against the popular opinion of 10 other men. They actually risked their lives because they really learned about who Yahweh is. And now these two men are putting into practice. It's not just an emotional, yes, we will do it thing. They're saying, no, no, we know who this God is. I'm going to stand for him no matter what. And I'm going to trust on his promises. And in the New Testament, there is a book called James. And James speaks so much about, don't just say it, live it. Put it into practice. 
And this is what James says. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at the face in a mirror, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Learn about God's heart and put it into practice in your life in a tangible way. Be obedient to God. And finally, a teachable Christian is not only one who learns, one who puts practice, but he also he teaches others. And during these 40 years of wilderness, and we see Moses constantly in, in the five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, in these five books, what do you see the most is not the, a, a narrative storyline. What do you see the most is what? Laws, statutes, commandments, what to do, what not to do. That's what you find more. Because God, and, and the author is writing this, and they're saving this for how many years? 4,000 years ago. He's trying to teach He's not just keeping it himself. He's trying to teach for people. He's trying to teach the Torah for the people. And one of my favorite words that I took um, for myself a year ago is that from Ezra in chapter 5, it says, For Ezra had firmly resolved to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. This is 1,000 years later, Ezra is writing. He's writing about the laws that we just looked at from Exodus 19 and all that. And Ezra is talking, these laws have been passed on for generations by a faithful group of people. And he resolves in his heart, I'm going to study it. And I'm going to practice it so I can show people how to do it. And then I'm going to have a lifestyle of teaching to people. And I want to be clear that this is not just for pastors. Ezra is a priest, for sure. But today, those, God is calling everyone as a royal priesthood, not just one group. It's not like a Levitical group of people upstage. God is everyone's calling to you to teach. But, but there's definitely a special call for teachers or pastors, an additional responsibility for overseers to take care of the people of God and to teach. But if you remember the Great Commission, it's for everyone, right? Great Commission is not for pastors. It's for everyone. You know what it says? It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, everybody, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Irrespective of your maturity, if you have become Christian only yesterday, you don't know much about the Bible, let me tell you, you have something to teach. You have something to share about Jesus. You, you may not know everything in the Bible. You may not know even five chapters in the Bible clearly. But you can tell, God, tell people what God has done in your life. You can teach people how you navigated your doubts, how you moved from here to here. And it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to teach or disciple others. 
But that's why God says, Behold, I am with you always till the end of the age. Till he comes back, he's with you. Especially on this mission of you going out and making disciples and teaching people. But it all starts with you being a teachable person, your heart being inclined to learn, devoted to learn God's heart from the scriptures and from fellowship with others, and then putting your life into practice of those what you learned, and go out and teach. But don't wait till you are perfectly doing everything and then go help others. No, do it today. Go out and do it. Tell people about God. How are you feeling so far? Good? You got three things to do? Who thinks it's super easy to do it? I'm going to just go now and knock it all out today. Even Joshua didn't think it's easy. If you remember the story, after Moses died, God has to tell Joshua, if you remember the famous verses in Joshua, let me see if I can take it. In Joshua 1, verse 6, it says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession. And he says again, only be strong and very courageous. Right? It, it's not an easy task. And God is saying, be strong and courageous. And Joshua was strong. He actually listened to God. He devoted to learn God's heart. He put his trust on God. And he was eventually elevated as a leader to lead the people into the promised land. But that wasn't an ultimate promised land. If you remember the story, in the promised land, the people become unfaithful again. They forget what they learned after two generations. They don't know what God's heart is anymore. They forgot their statues and laws. And they couldn't follow their commitment that they made here. So Joshua was successful in a way, but he never was actually successful in the long term. But let me introduce you to someone whose name is exactly like Joshua. In Greek, it's Eshua. In English translations, it's called Jesus. Who, just like the old Joshua, he devoted his life to seek his father's heart, to seek God's heart, to seek God's will completely all the time who fully depended on God, not even a little bit depending on himself, who fulfilled God's will perfectly, who fulfilled the laws of Moses. Everything the people couldn't fulfill, he fulfilled. And then, well, remember the old Joshua, he was elevated as a leader. But Yeshua, Jesus, wasn't elevated as a leader. He was elevated in the cross. For our incapability, for our stubbornness, for our stiff-neckedness, that he, all the things we talked about, that we failed to do, that we would probably struggle some days to do, Jesus completely took the penalty for that. He purchased us to be his holy nation and his precious possession. Jesus Christ took all the guilt all your weaknesses, all your shortcomings on himself. So you and me can have complete forgiveness in him. And this Jesus is the one walking with you on this journey in the wilderness because he already bought you with a price. He already redeemed you. He's like, 
Oh, God, I failed. That's okay. I paid the price. Let's keep going. Oh, I, I, I didn't learn your heart today. This week was hard. I failed. That's okay. I got you. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And, 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 and if you really understand God's love, church, you, you don't feel like, ah, okay, so God done everything, so I got nothing to do. I just sit back and relax. If you understand this freedom, if you understand this assurance that we have in Jesus, this person is walking with us, covering every step of our way. Whenever we fall, he covers it. Whenever you fail, he covers it. And this assurance of this love that will never be taken away, that will never be lost, nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ. And this is the fuel that will ignite your heart. This is the fuel that has set a fire to your soul that says, I want more of God. I'm going to seek God more. Because His love is crazy right now. I can't even handle it. He's just, he's just with me all the time. I failed, but he was there still. God, keep your eyes on that. Keep your eyes on what he's doing in your life. Keep your eyes on what he has done in your life. The more you learn about God, the more you learn about God's love, the more you just focus on him, eventually he will change your heart. Eventually you will start practicing the things that you want to know. And you will be teachable. And you will teach others. Because he's worth it. He's worth it all. And he's the one that satisfies your heart in this journey that we are taking. Let's pray. Father, we pray this evening, God, God, we come to your presence with honesty. We come to your presence with nothing in our hands. We have nothing to offer. God, we, we are just like the Israelites. We have made commitments to you so many times in the last month, in the last year. And we will do it. I'm going to change. God, but I fail all the time. I keep failing every day, Father. God, there's nothing good in me. God, we are running to your arms this evening, God. Jesus, would you renew our hearts? Would you create us in us a new creation? Would you renew our minds? God, help us to keep our mind arrested in Christ, to learn your heart more to stay true to your commitment. Let your Holy Spirit guide us in this journey, God. Just like you are guiding the Israelites in the day or night with the pillar of cloud and fire. God, would you guide us? God, help us to keep our hearts set on you. God, when the times of testing comes, when the times of difficulty comes, God, we need your help Make us trust in you. God, when we fail, forgive us. Take us back. We ask for forgiveness for all the times we have failed. God, help us to put into practice, God. 
karitas. Our words is nothing if, if we don't act on it. God, we don't want to be empty words. Help us to keep our commitment to you in every day of our life. God, help us to help others. God, help us to help my brother and sister. To, help, to raise them up. To be with them. To walk with them. To disciple them. Help us to be going out and reaching out for people and inviting them into our lives so we can share Jesus together. God, help us to be a true body of Christ, not just in the Word, in our actions. Let this be one body. God, I, I ask for our church. I pray for this prayer for the whole church. Let this church be one body of Christ as we walk this life to our internal destination. Whatever we are going through, whatever our individual journey is, let us walk this together, Father. And you lead the way. You lead the way. And you cover our sins, cover our weaknesses, redeem us in every step that we fail. God, how big your love is. Give me more faith, Father, as we walk. Give me more faith to keep our eyes on you.